1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
2: Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Caitlin (laughs) Judd, welcome to The Mentor.
3: Thank you, Mark. Thanks so much for having me.
2: And I've got you down here as, uh, well, I, I guess this is like the formal address of you. Mm -hmm. facilitator, mentor, and angel investor, co-founder, of course, of Lady Brains Podcast. Correct?
3: That is correct. Yeah, that's me. Let's
2: dig in a little bit. All right, let's do it. So uh, where are you from?
3: From Melbourne. A Melbourne girl. I'm a Melbourne girl. I made the leap to Sydney about 18 months ago. Why? Uh, Look, you know, lockdown in Melbourne wasn't the most fun experience, I would say, and I remember getting to the end of that and, you know, we, we were free, so to speak. And I'd managed to spend a little bit of time up here for work. And I just felt this really great energy up here. And I was like, I want to be part of that. I want to feel that again. Um, and so I packed my car and I hit the human, ended up here. Um, and it's just been a great move. I do love Melbourne. I there's, I know there's a bit of a divide between Melbourne and Sydney. Um, they both are wonderful, wonderful cities, but Right now, I'm loving Sydney.
2: Okay, well, we can say you saw the light mm. and you, you've joined I us. I saw up. the light. Talk to me about Lady Brain. So, yeah. I, mean, I guess what I'd like to know first off mm. is what is your best description of what Lady Brain's podcast does and all the stuff that sits around Lady Brain's?
3: So, it was about six years ago we started Lady Brains, uh, myself and my two co-founders, and at the time we didn't feel like we had the opportunity to be able to connect with one another um, in a business sense, in a more structured, formal way, where you know you could just kind of help one another, get through some of the biggest problems that you know founders typically face. Right. So we started bringing uh, our friends and friends of friends together um, around the table in really intimate settings. And they were called supper clubs at the time. But we were just trying to facilitate a really beautiful moment where founders from all walks of life could come together, um, connect, check their ego at the door and start running through some problems. You know, we wanted to have those dinners that was solely there to help solve problems. Um, but, you know, also have a good time as well. So that's how we started. You know, the whole premise of Lady Brains was to create a community of women um, who were really looking to support one another, to learn, to just, you know, sh- shoot the breeze and... Come out perhaps with a co founder, come out with a supplier, um, a friend, you know, someone to lean on, whatever it was, whatever people needed, we tried to facilitate that. Um, And, you know, I think we did a a pretty good job in those early days. It's about
2: women getting together with each other to talk through issues. That's how it started. The so called supper club.
3: Yeah, Yeah. the supper club, correct. That's how it started. And, you know, again, that response was largely off the back of feeling like there weren't those opportunities to be able to connect and to solve some of the problems that women were facing typically as a founder or someone that was wanting to start a business or someone that was wanting to scale a business. And so that is why we started to create it. And, you know, there were things out there, don't get me wrong, you know, I was attending big conferences and, um, but what I felt in that moment was, I'm attending a conference, maybe I'm learning something really wonderful, but I don't have the chance to really build an intimate connection with someone and to perhaps find a mentor or find someone that knows intimately the problems that I'm experiencing or the challenges that I'm facing and so that's why we tried to just scale it down and, and and put people around a table that we knew would click and there was there was art and science behind that you know we would have table topic cards we would invite founders to sit at the dinner table imagine that experience being able to sit and eat and then have a chat to someone that's You'd done some pretty amazing things. I mean, that was a unique experience at the time. Um, And you know, yes, it's you know we've come a long way in six, seven years. I know there are a lot more opportunities to be able to connect and and you know get to the people that you need to get to. But at the time, it didn't feel like there was, and that's what we created. And it just it just exploded in Melbourne.
2: So, what was your background before that?
3: Who am I? What was I doing? doing Where where have I come from Um, before Lady Brains? I so yeah, my background is in marketing. Business marketing. I didn't, you know, classic. What do I do? What am I doing with my future? So I went down the. Let's do a business degree. Let's do an arts degree. Media and communications as well. A little bit of positive psychology thrown in there. Um, And I did. I uh, I actually had my own consultancy business at the time that I was starting Lady Brains and the, the problem that I was facing again was like, I'm working by myself all, you know, every day. Yes. I've got, I've got virtual teams. You know, I was an early adopter of zoom. I can tell you that much, but I was working in virtual teams and I had some amazing clients here in Australia and, and, you know, in America and the UK, but again I was like where's my community of women here that I can just go oh my god like this is the problem that I'm facing or how do I do this or do you know someone that can help me solve this quickly um and so it was a need. It was a need of my own, and it was a need of my found co-founders at the time, um, and that's why we started it. But yeah, before that, I you know I was working at, you know branding and marketing, um, ad sales over in America, which was a fun time. Uh, a little bit of media. You know, I tried to put myself in positions that I could learn as much as I could across different industries, across different roles. I mean, again, when you want to become a founder or when you have the idea that perhaps I can do something in the future on my own, you still have to have oversight of all the different domains and all the areas of business. And so I guess looking back in retrospect, I was trying to learn as much as I could in all the different facets of business to perhaps one day go out and do my own thing.
2: Do you think that uh, women are more prone to forming communities and actually sharing problems and solutions and say men i mean is because i don't know many men who do this sort of thing <laughs> um and a lot of guys who i know would probably worry that if they share the idea that they have mm. that someone might knock off the idea and run with it themselves
0: mm. is
2: it that women are much more is it that women mm. are much more trustworthy of each other or uh, is it more a matter of women feel as though that they like to share their ideas and thoughts. Oh, what do you think it is? I mean, yeah. it's it's interesting that Lady Brains has grown so quickly from that sort of initial thought.
3: Mm. I don't think there's a risk associated with building a community. I, I think women are amazing at b- building communities, right? It's just it, it's something that's inherent. It's it's just that natural desire and urge to surround yourself. I mean, we're pre- women are predominantly carers, right? We care for other people. We want to surround ourselves with other people that care and we want to take care of one another. I think that's a really beautiful thing. I don't think that... Um, being concerned or worried that people will take your idea is unique to only men. Women ask me all the time, well, how do I protect my IP? Well, how do I protect this idea? Um, is someone going to take it? And, you know, my response to that typically is no one can be you. No one is you. No one is going to be able to deliver, even if they do take your idea you've got to be one step ahead of the competition and no one can replicate who you are and go and deliver that in the exact same way. You know, I think often people think that an idea is the carrier. The idea is what's going to make me. That's, one very solid part of the piece of the puzzle but the other solid piece of the puzzle is you who are you who are you as a person as a founder what do you bring what are your strengths what are your values what is your lived experience that you can contribute to this idea not everyone has that and i think you know i think that people need to probably share their ideas some more because you just never know who's going to listen who's going to be in the room and who might be able to help you take that idea and help you execute it
2: that's interesting you like uh Maybe a good way of saying it, and I was mm. just thinking as you were speaking then, in general, all women can have a baby, but no one can have anyone in <laughs> particular's baby, so no one can have Caitlin's baby.
0: Correct.
2: Pretty right, though, because people say, oh, they'll grab the idea. Mm. Yeah, but it's how you execute, and it's how you run with the idea, and it's how you connect that idea with other people, and it's about the genetics you overlay that idea with. So at the end of the day, you've got to, people have got to be prepared to back themselves,
3: Absolutely. I mean, that's exactly right. I I mean, you can think of it as the genetics, the genetic makeup of your business or your idea. Like no one can replicate that. No one can be Mark Burris. Like you're Mark Burris. No one can take that from you. They might be able to look at an idea that you've had and, and try and replicate that, but they won't be able to. You've got a network. You've got, you know, as I said, lived experience that you bring to the table and no one can do that. I also think that people need to remember that you know you can't do everything alone and so the more that you hold on to an idea and you sit with it and it festers and it doesn't you 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 need to like let's run with the baby analogy you have to birth it into the world right Do you go and birth a baby on your own? No. You have a team around you and you need people around you. And in order to find the right people, you have to share your idea. So I think having that kind of growth mindset, that mindset, the abundance mindset, I say, is like the more abundance that we invite into our lives. I truly believe the more that you will get back. You you invite it, you get, put it out there and it will just continue. It's, it's, it's cyclical. It will just continue to come around. So I think, you know, having that abundance mindset, it's like no one's, you know, there's, 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 there's so many opportunities out there. Like there's, there's more, there's enough space. There's enough time, people, money, you know, resources for, for your idea and for someone else's, if they really want to go and take it and run with it.
2: So th- that's interesting. So mm. we look at, um, but there's no problem with sharing these things. Mm. Um, what about the the concept of asking, being someone who sits there just asking questions? Because are you expected in these mm. environments, like your environment, for example,
1: mm.
2: in the beginning, in these um, you know, supper clubs, are you expected to be someone who contributes to the conversation or, you, or is it okay if you're just someone who sits there and asks the questions or someone who just doesn't do either, just sits there and absorbs everything that's been said?
3: It was really about creating a trusting environment. In order to do that, I think you have to – you do have to share um, for sure. You've got to share. And I think that we were really vulnerable and open in those early days. Um, I think, you know, from the moment that somebody – walks in. We used to host them like underground at, um, you know, different restaurants. It was really cool. Like we were really particular about where we would host it, how many people were sitting around the table, the types of questions that we would have. We, we would have a run sheet that would be printed out. It was, you know, like a little menu and then the little run sheet. And, you know, it felt organic but it was all by design.
2: So it was structured, yes. It
3: was structured, absolutely structured. And But within that structure, you would allow the kind of free-flowing element. But, you know, there was not, and never any pressure. But I think, you know, as I said, when people walked in that door... You know, you're greeting them. You're asking them how they are. You're inquiring. You want to know. I want to learn about you. I want to understand you. What makes you tick? Why are you here? What are the challenges that you've faced today or in your business? I've been um, on tour, facilitating. You know, in front of hundreds of women, and it's the same thing. The stronger the session was, was when I was standing at the door and just welcoming people in and just having that one to one conversation. And it also put me at ease. I'm like, we are just the same. You and I are the same. We're both building businesses. Perhaps we're at different stages. Maybe you've got an idea and I'm, you know, six years, seven years into the journey, but we're the same, you know, we all are. And, uh, and it is really quite a nice experience to just connect on that level and ask people how they are. People want to share how they are. You know, I don't think people often ask and people haven't been asking when you know, we've, of the back of COVID, haven't been able to like connect and be out face to face. So, you know, we, we, people come in, it's really quite a beautiful experience where you're just having that conversation and you sit down and yeah, what we used to do is kind of do a, just a really kind of quick introduction. So people would go around and introduce themselves and everyone had to do that. And that was the, the premise of being there was to be able to share. I also think, you know, I look back, you know, when I was younger and I used to hate speaking in front of the classroom. Like, don't pick me. I don't know what it was. I just like I just didn't want to do that. Even in sometimes the boardroom or anywhere, I'm like, I don't want to be the person put you know having to put my hand up or speak here, which is ironic. Here I am talking and I love the microphone now. But I used to not enjoy that. And, you know, I want people to feel like they perhaps are being pushed out outside of their comfort zone. And so I would encourage that. Um, and, you know, we would go around, do a quick little introduction and then, you know, time to just connect, you know, whoever you were sitting next to. And then we would have table topic cards and they were really, they would span, you know, who you were as a founder, who you were as a person. So, you know, yeah, what are your values? What have you learned? Who who do you need right now in your team? Um, what's one of the biggest challenges you've faced? You know those kind of questions, and then those real, you know, big kind of hairy business questions as well. And you know, you would pick one, and you'd be able to respond to that. If you didn't like it, of course, you could take another one. And sometimes we'd even go around and let everyone answer because everyone would have such a great, you know, response. And then at the very end, we would end with like, "What's one thing you need?" or an ask. And you'd be able to ask either anyone at the table or perhaps someone would know someone that they could then facilitate that introduction. But we thought, you know, if we're here to solve problems, we're here to connect. We've checked the ego at the door. So this is really like, let's just, let's, you know, get some runs on the board here That ask at the end was so powerful and we would make a point to email everyone with everyone's details and we would encourage people to connect. And I can tell you, people found co-founders out of those dinners. People have found suppliers. People have found best friends. People have had, you know, gone on to collaborate. Like it's just amazing what has stemmed from building this tiny little grassroots community, um, you know, to now, being able to inspire people on the podcast—it's um—it's super cool.
2: How was that transition then from that what you started mm. off kicked off with and what you learned from it? Mm. How did that transition into a podcast?
3: Yeah, quite naturally, to be honest. We were sitting around the table and we were all we were having a great conversation. I believe that there was the founder of Fluff um, at the table at the time, and we we're having conversations. And someone said, "Oh my God, these are, are amazing! These conversations are so rich and honest and raw." They need to be recorded so more women can benefit from this conversation, and uh, and the little light bulb moment went off, and we're like, ah, oh, maybe we should turn this into a podcast. And you know, podcasting wasn't really a thing five years ago, six years ago, and uh, yeah, we just thought, hey, why not? So off we trot down to the local, you know, what is it, store DJ, radio DJ, whatever it is, and you know, we went in and and bought the kit the full kit had absolutely no idea what we're doing and started a podcast and here i am here i am it's been a big part of my life for the last uh, six years and have loved every minute of it
0: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: So I'm back here with Caitlin Judd and from Lady Brains. we t- talked about the transition, you know, like how the idea mm. originated and it's very interesting that someone else might have suggested it to you at, the, at one mm. of these supper clubs, but they were working. Then you decided to do a podcast, which was six years ago, five six years ago. It wasn't really a thing, not like now. Everyone's doing a podcast now, but <laughs> back then there wasn't that many pod- podcasters around. And you, uh, you know, you bootstrapped it, set it up with your partners, your founders.
0: Mm.
2: Tell me. How did you go about building your audience in relation to the podcast?
3: It's, it is harder now. It is much harder now. But, um, yeah, look, we were fortunate. Um, we caught that early wave. You know, a lot of people caught the uh, early Instagram wave, yep. but we managed to catch the podcast wave. And, you know, we were running those supper clubs and building a really solid – and I know, it, you know, some people are like, that's such a cop-out, but word of mouth was everything for us back then absolutely everything it's how we built the supper clubs it was like oh my god i went to this event you should come along to the next one and we were booking out restaurants right in the end you know we'd (laughs) we'd, we'd outgrown the the private dining room but what was happening at the same time is you know these supper clubs were continuing to grow and grow and grow as to was the podcast and they were just perfectly, they would just fit so nicely together. We were running still physical events and, you know. What is a
2: physical event? The
3: the physical kind of supper club events and which, you know, eventually did turn virtual, but we were building, you know, continuing to build our community, whether it was virtual and online, whether it was in real life, you know, that community was really everything. Um, And so while you're building that community and word of mouth is spreading and you're kind of getting in there really early with a podcast, that was the thing that, you know, we were able to talk about and promote. And, you know, we would, we would obviously send out the newsletter with the new latest episode, um, having really solid guests on our show who were able to promote it um, in those early days, again, leveraging that. You know, now founders have – quite a, a nice variety, you know, definitely choice of which podcast they would like to go on. But back then, you know, Lady Brains was one of the only kind of female founded focused podcasts. And so to get the founder on there, they would absolutely go out and promote and share across their so- socials and, you know, newsletter. And um, that was a really great way to build our database and, and our listener base. Um and then you know what we t- what we tended to do. We- so we self produced for a year, uh, which was a lot of work. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, podcasting is in, it looks it looks easy from the outside, but it's not it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, but for a year we we self published But then we were fortunate about a year in um, to sign with a network, and that did you know step change for so us. Which working lot. with. So right now we um, are with ARN, um, but back then it was SCA, so Southern Cross Stereo, yep. and they took a chance on us. And you know, it was an it was an interesting moment. We went in um, to the studios at it. My, my business partner at the time had. Reached out to the net the, to the network and and didn't didn't quite realize the scale of you know they're one of the, they're the biggest you know network in Australia That's now listener. yeah now listener correct and uh, and we were part of that transition but we went in there and it was such a funny moment she didn't realize I don't think that the you know these are the guys that represented Hamish and no big deal and uh, she's like oh we're just going in for a really small meeting really like you know we're just going to meet them I think that they're interested you know they don't usually take on existing shows they have their own catalog of shows so we're in there i'm wearing like sneakers i don't know it was just one of those hilarious moments where i looked at her i'm like you do realize this is one of the biggest networks in australia and she's like oh
2: There's podcast one. Those
3: oh days. yeah podcast one yep yep exactly right and um yeah, we get in the lift and we're going up and like, you know, welcome, welcome. You know, you're just going to be meeting the head of podcasting, um, you know, Australia for, for SCA. And uh, we're going to be also dialing in someone from Sydney. So we're sitting there in the boardroom and I'm just looking at my business partner. I'm like, oh my God, what on earth? Like, what have we gotten ourselves into? You know, and we're this tiny little self-produced podcast that we've been got, you know, going for a year. You know, capitalizing on the fact that we've asked our network to introduce, you know, us to other founders, and and you know, we've largely just grown by. We had a really great pitch deck, and we're able to kind of you know get get founders on to to our show. But I remember just sitting in there going, "Oh my god, what is this? How have we landed ourselves here?" It was one of those hilarious moments. It's like single swim. We had, had weren't prepared, but you kind of just have to go, well, we're here. let's make the most of this opportunity and absolutely turned it on and um, managed to land it to your contract with them. and they took a chance on us and it was awesome. And you know that does help to grow. You know most networks will produce um, your show help you produce your show um, and then they will take a clip of advertising and you know can obviously but they get the advertising for you. They do, but also we do too. And and this is the difference, right? You know, and, and one thing that I've always do, done with the show is to sell it. You know, we've got a really solid network and that's, you know, we've been building that for the last six, seven years. And um, it's great to have two teams going out and selling your show. Uh, and so, you know, we would typically focus on some of the founders that were interested in on coming on the show and perhaps advertising. Um, they would have their network, you know, they'd deal with the ad agencies that we didn't tend to deal with. So, you know, we kind of were, cover- we're covering all grounds there, which was great. Um, and, you know, you, you know, you can advertise, yeah, advertise across the show. You've got your kind of, you know, pre, mid, post role um, and, you know, sponsorship opportunities where it's a more integrated kind of content based um, approach so you're creating you know unique content for brands um, which we've also done before and is is a really great way to make money off your podcast so yeah, that's that's what SCA did for us, and um, it's, it was a great relationship. And then, you know, that ended, and we ended up. Um, I like to say, you know, kind of going over to the dark side from from I imagine their perspective. Over, we jumped to ARN, and um, we've be, been with them for two years as well. So, so I don't think it's I don't know how common it is to have you know self published, self you know produced. Then we you know we've been through both networks and um, now we're on the other side and I'm, I'm actually going to be a free agent soon. So that's also exciting. So, so
2: yeah, because I think what's important is mm. like a lot of people want to do a podcast. Yeah. But they don't realize it costs money. You've got to produce it. You either mm-hmm. produce it yourself, you got to pay for it with somebody uh, you got to get people to come in and do it for you yep. like who are expert in the area yep. who know how to you know use the sound the sound uh, machinery or you know, all the engineering <laughs> the machinery
3: <All> yeah engineering and <laughs> then you got to do
2: video of these things you got to promote it then you got to go yeah. and tr- and you know, you're either you're either doing that all yourself which means you got don't have enough time then to do the actual podcast yourself and uh, get it sorted. Yeah. Or alternatively, you're doing all of those things and you never get a chance to make any money. So you go get somebody else in to do it for you, which Mm -hmm. allows you to concentrate on the part that you do best, which means you've got to pay that individual, which means you've got to commercialise the podcast. Mm. If you get to commercialise the podcast, it's always best to be with a commercial partner, which is, say, someone like SCA or um, ARN. It's Mm. a great way to kick these things off whilst you're building your audience. You become better known to um, um, digital advertisers, Mm -hmm. you know, who like to be on podcast, put Mm -hmm. their customers or clients on podcasts. Mm -hmm. That's what you've done, and eventually, ultimately, what ends up happening is you get big enough, like you are now, to go back out on your own. In other words, go solo, yeah, and run the whole program yourself. Yeah, I was actually the uh, very first uh, podcast that Podcast One did. Yeah, so they wow. they started the mentor. There podcast. you go. Yeah. That was their name. We used to be called the Mark Show.
3: Yes, yeah, and, I remember and, that. Yeah, and they yeah, got yeah. me
2: in as, and they said, well, "Let's change the name to the Mentor," and we did, agreed to do it. And I stayed with them for a couple of years, and they were great. I really had a good, good experience with them, um, but we just outgrew them, um, uh, you know, fortunately, I guess. And uh, we had a, a you know a good parting relationship. Mm. Um, but I remember when they were out trying to find people. I think we got up to they got up to eighty different podcasts on their show. They've cut that right back since they had uh, listener. And, and, uh, but th- they, their, their model was, and, you know, like if you, if you're a budding podcaster, this is a good model to mm. be in. I'm not sure if they're accepting new podcasts these days, but that's not a bad model to get into. And because at the end of the day, you've got to commercialize these things. Otherwise, you can't pay for it. And it's just too much work to do. There's a lot of work involved in a podcast.
3: It's a lot of work. It's absolutely a lot of work. I guess the other approach, though, you know, with podcasting, it has to be, and, you know, you have to obviously justify, yeah you know, the time and the cost involved, but it can be part of a solid marketing strategy. You know, if, if, if your podcast is centred around perhaps educating your, you know, customers.
2: Which is what you you do. You yeah, guys educate a lot.
3: We do educate. We inspire. We educate. Um, absolutely. And, and you know, you, there's argument that if you've got a brand that lends itself to that or, you know, a business that lends itself to that, that you can produce a podcast that maybe you don't make money off of. Um, but, as you said, it takes a lot of time and, and you know, like, yeah, you've got to find a way to, to be able to recoup that. Um, and so, yeah, we, we make money off the podcast. Uh, and that's one aspect of the business, yeah.
2: So that you've commercialized your podcast, which allows you to pay for the cost of running the podcast, whether mm. it's through um, SEA or ARN or any other network mm. or alternatively you can do it yourself. Um, you, you get to that stage where you can do it yourself. Your audience is big enough and you become streamlined and you have a good enough rhythm to do these things yourself, Mm. how then does Lady Brains then further build its business out?
3: What we did is we almost stacked different offers on top of one another. And, you know, we started out with the events, Grassroots. You know, that was bringing people together. You didn't make a lot of money off of that. These are the dinners. The dinners, yeah. And then, you know, we had the podcast, which we did learn how to make money, you know, pretty good money off of that. And then off the back of those kind of, you know, the, the supper clubs and the podcast, we started running uh, mentor programs. Yep. Um. And it's, it was such a joy to be able to bring early stage founders, typically, you know, one to three years. They've they've started, they've got the idea up and running, you know, all the kind of basic things of, you know, tick, tick, tick. Um, but let's get into it. Where do I want to go? What do I want to do? Is my strategy right? And, you know, we would bring perhaps, you know, 10 to 15 women together uh, and across the 12 weeks we would mentor them but not only was you know would we mentor them we'd bring in um guests from our podcast or an expert in any fields that our customers needed to really kind of come in and do a a solid one hour mentor session on on any topic
2: one-on-one or one-on-group
3: one-on-group they would get one-on-one, um, but the, the bringing the guest in would be one-on-group, and it was still a small enough group you know, for everyone to have time to be able to ask that question. But largely, these mentor programs were um, engineered or designed by our customers because we wanted them to get out of it what they needed. And so we would kind of, you know, yes, there'd be a structure, but hey, you know, is everyone struggling with, you know, their finances? Let's go get an expert in that in that space like in cash flow 100 yeah cash flow we get you know if we need an accountant small you know small business you know um finance expert um marketing branding whatever it was we you know we had hannah spilver from lovely she would come in um, she did a mentor session uh, and that was amazing to be able to leverage our guests um, and our network, and then also be able to facilitate this experience for um, our customers who perhaps have been listening to the podcast, or you know, were engaging with us in in you know different ways.
2: So you sort of build a marketplace where you would have a market on any one day mm-hmm. or night, or whatever whatever the occasion was, where you would bring into the marketplace what the customers were looking for. The customers <laughs> being your listeners, you would invite customers. Would you say, look, you know, we're holding a session. We can take twenty people. How does it look?
3: That uh, we were running them throughout COVID so yep. we had to run them virtually but also it allows you to tap into founders from anywhere in Australia yeah, right
2: remote places who don't get an normally
3: correct and it's the best way to do it and it would be a structured you know 10 12 week program we kind of you know flexed with that um and we would set it and it's like this is the price this is the program this is who it's for we're going to have experts on week you know two four six eight um and and People love that. People love the opportunity to be able to connect. And, again, you know, that was – it was it was almost like the supper club on steroids, right? Like you get to come in and you're connecting with your founders, but then you're also listening to your experts. You get to ask your questions. You get to solve, you know, intimate problems um, on that phone call. So um, it, was, it was great to run it as, you know, a, a solid mentor program that would come in and that was – you know, the output would be um, – to be able to, yeah, remedy whatever it is that you were focused, you know, the outcome was to be able to remedy whatever it is that you were focused on in your business.
2: And, it, and so it's, it's another way of adding value or giving value to your yeah. audience.
3: Yeah, correct. Um,
2: how do you work out how much you charge, like, so that it's not too much, but it's enough for you to make money out of it too? Like, you know, so that fine line. <laughs> you don't want to look like you were being too tough on everybody. Yeah. But you don't want to be giving away it either.
4: Because
3: yeah. if it
2: looks cheap, it's cheap. So how do you work out the price? I mean, oh. do you survey that or?
3: Yeah, you can. Pricing is an interesting one. Um, my my one of my mentors used to say, um, "What's your happy price? What's your happy price? What is the price that like you don't feel like you're being cheated, but you also don't feel like you're taking people for a ride?" Yeah. Um. And I do like that. It's like, what's your happy price? What what can you what can you go to? You know, what can you sleep with tonight? Um. You know, this is a tough one, and people ask the pricing question all the time. But you know, I think I think the happy price is a great guide. But then there is, you know, figuring out like what are people willing to pay for this service, and you can look at the marketplace, you can look at and see what other people are charging for similar um, offers. But also, you know, what what level um, are the founders at? If you're dealing with, say, an early stage founder. Perhaps they don't have the cash to spend. Or the cash flow. The cash flow to spend and invest in, you know, learning and development, right? Because they're just surviving. Um, they're surviving. They're probably on eating, you know, rice and beans and tuna. Like, let's and, be and honest. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, depending on who you're servicing, I think you have to, you've got to assess that, right? Yeah. And 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 what we would do is we would offer payment plans. Payment plans are such a great That's way cool. to be able to have people in in that, you know, like, look, I'm, manage- I'm trying to manage cash flow. I've just started a new business. I really know that I need this. Um, how can I get involved? And, you know, that's some a way for people to be able to manage that. Um, so, we would offer payment plans. Um, yeah, you would survey, like, would you spend, you know, this bracket to this bracket or this bracket to this bracket? And we would. We would absolutely go out and ask our customers, is this something you need how much would you pay for this? And what's the outcome? What's the, you know, what do you need off the back of this? Um, that was also a great way. And then, you know, we have online programs and, and, and um, with our Brains Trust Mentor Program, we would also give away places to people that were perhaps underrepresented um, in society, the ones that, you know, people that, that couldn't afford it, but n- needed it and we would give away those spots That's cool. you know i think everyone should be doing that i mean you know when it's a group program the economics work it's like you know you can add another person into that group free of charge and it's really not going to it doesn't make any difference it doesn't make any difference it's not an extra cost no especially if it's online no and you know that just feels like the right thing to do from my perspective um and you know at the end of the day right my mission has been to help as many female entrepreneurs as possible and However I can facilitate that, however I can do that, I will.
2: So where to from now, Caitlin, like where where are you going to take your helping female entrepreneurs Mm. in this country? Yeah. What's exciting you?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. It's a big question. Um, And, you know, I remember five years ago we sat down and mapped out what do we want from this? What are we doing? What are we trying to achieve? And, you know, as I said, the mission is and has always been about Supporting women in business um, and creating pathways for them to be able to succeed. Um, when we sat down and we we laid out the strategy for Lady Brains, it was to be able to inspire people through you know the podcast and media, um, to be able to facilitate you know through events and 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 hosting workshops, which I do a lot of as well. And then the third piece to that was to be able to invest back into female founded businesses
2: in terms of venture capital as a capital investor
3: correct correct and you know that felt like that felt like a full circle moment right it's like you are able to nurture early stage founders you're able to inspire them you can educate them through mentor programs through facilitation workshops events and then finally you can put the money back into these founders that you've grown like you've watched them grow up like how amazing is that to be able to get in at an early stage and you know them too yeah and the ones that we have invested in correct like you know we have they're lady brains they've been part of the community um, and we've been able to you know support them in in different ways and I think that that has been so amazing like that you know you, you set out with goals like that when you don't know much. I didn't know my like, you know, I, I mean, I was I was just an early stage founder, like who am I to, you know, go and invest in others. But um, to be able to do that and and to watch these founders grow has been such an amazing, unique experience. But it's like, where to next? Well, what now? And, you know, I still think that there are so many challenges that women in business face every single day. Um, and I want to be, pa- I want to be part of that solution, you know, I'm, and, and, and I'm kind of continuing to ask myself, you know, I'm a very curious, inquisitive person. I'm like, but why, like, why do we put up with that? Why is that? you know, the case. Why is it How acceptable? Can, why is it acceptable? How can we create systems and environments that help women thrive, that allow them to be able to access capital and we don't have to stare at the really grim stats that, you know, show show us that it's so difficult for, you know, female led companies to go and access the money that they rightfully deserve. Um, you know these kind of questions always like this is what kind of keeps me up at night and and it's something that I want to be part of the solution. So, you know what I've what I've built with Lady Brains and what I've established is almost like it's it's the breeding ground now for for me to find and to connect with other people to you know almost build a build. I know you kind of reference build an army right to to go and solve some of these bigger problems now not just in the female space i love you know know, i love supporting female founders but i mean you look anywhere there are always problems that we need to find solutions to and and whether that's the state of our planet you know i think that that needs great attention and i'm you know huge fan of being able to go and find and fund um you know startups that are helping us you know find solutions to some of the biggest problems that we face um but it's now for me, it's like, how do I do what I'm doing on a much larger scale?
2: So scaling.
3: Uh, yeah, it's it's scaling. And it's like, that's an interesting one because what am I scaling? Am I scaling myself? Um, is it me putting my voice out there? Is it me facilitating these kind of conversations, which I have done on a podcast, but Where can I find a bigger platform to be able to go and share what I know, what I think, what I believe? How can we get people to, you know, just rally together to create a movement? I think that, you know, we live in such an incredible country. There are so many opportunities for us in Australia. Um, We're so fortunate to to, to be able to just start a business. You don't really need anything these days to start a business. But, you know, these businesses, these are the future. This is our future. I think some of the solutions to the world's biggest problems will come out of Australia, which is so exciting, right? I mean, we are very lucky, very fortunate that there's low barrier to entry. Um, we're well-educated. I think that, you know, I'm really excited to see what's happening and there are so many great, you know, accelerator programs and, um, you know, places where founders can kind of gather and, and share ideas. And I want to be part of that. I love, you know, the startup ecosystem and, and I want to contribute to that in some way. Um, and it's just about, yes, yeah, as I said, you know, being able to continue to facilitate connection, to be able to continue to inspire, to put my money where I think, you know, founders deserve to access capital, especially females that perhaps don't get the, the, the investment that they deserve, um, and to see where that kind of takes me, you know, the next, you know, 5, 10, 15 years um, in the Australian startup landscape. I think it's pretty exciting. So or
2: Any female startups who are looking for inspiration but probably more importantly looking for someone who's actually gone down the track, <laughs> that's you and your team, um, should be sort of tuning into this this sort of podcast, but should be tuning into your podcast. But the fact that you're prepared to invest in mm-hmm. some of these startups, obviously they're not in every one of them but in some of these startups, shows that you're backing your own judgment and, and also backing your own program. That's pretty important. That's pretty rare. So, uh, Caitlin Judd, um, I wish you the very best with Lady Brains, but I'm really uh, quite excited about the fact that you're sort of going down the venture capital route. Caitlin Judd, that was awesome. Thanks very much.
3: Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me.
0: Hold up.